Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben Micellis here with Brett Micellis and Jordy Micellis. Guys, the podcast was released for the very first time on all podcast platforms last week, and it's a hit. It's a top 40 podcast in the nation right now for news. Incredibly humbled by all of our support, but we got to get into it. We have a lot of serious issues to discuss. We're going to talk about the seditious caucus. We're going to talk about the GOP's actual involvement in the terrorist attack. We have a political party in the United States of America right now that's just straight up terrorists. Never thought I would actually be saying that, but Jordy, you're wearing a turtleneck you look like an artist. You must be very serious today. So I, artist, sneezy, turtleneck, okay, Jordy okay. Micellis, how are Getting ridiculous. Um, I did put on my thinking clothes today. I plan on yeah, talking a lot, smart. so you guys are going to have to do Wow, Jordy. All you're missing um, are the glasses, man. Hey, r- the look. Re- real quick. You know, I was looking for some. I didn't have any. Uh, but real quick, <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time, now that we are on all these platforms, look, we're three brothers. Ben's the oldest. Uh, he's our legal expert, most notably rep Colin Kaepernick during the NFL collusion case. Uh, Brett's the middle brother. He's our uh, digital editor. He's a two-time Emmy award-winning editor. Uh, I'm the youngest brother. Some say I'm the leader of the group. I don't say that. Some people say it. Uh, and this is, this is Midas Touch. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Welcome to the podcast. This is Brett here. And guys, before we get into the news of the day, I think we need to talk to something that our followers are itching to find out more details about. And Jordy, that's of course Perskate. Jordy posted a photo the other day, um, a, a odd photo of him sort of looking off to the distance, holding a big giant purse with his shorts pulled up uh, as high like a speedo, as go, like a, speedo. Uh, like a speedo on his thighs. <laughs> and this immediately sent Twitter into a frenzy. And, and before sh- you go into it more, Brett, <laughs> there are some times, Jordy, where I'm not fully sure you know what it is we do. Um, <laughs> posting photos like that have like legitimately nothing to do with our political <laughs> efforts. So maybe you can just take our uh, listeners through yeah, your mindset, expl- explain both it, Jordy, in touch, both just... in terms of why you post photos in general like that, and why specifically, Jordan Micellis, did you post that photo of yourself wearing a speedo, holding a person? <laughs> Here's the thing: I'm not going to play your game. I'm just going to explain the photo, and we can let the listeners decide for themselves whether the face was warranted and the post was warranted. So, <laughs> it was about eight years ago. Oh, and by the way, this story is going to be like two minutes, Ben, and I know you hate when anyone talks for longer than two minutes, so you're just going to have to bear with us. All right, get get those skip fingers ready on the... (laughs) First off, I have nothing against purses. Love purses. They're easy to carry around. You can put stuff in them. They're fantastic. That just wasn't my purse, right? So what happened was, it was about eight years ago, I took a trip with my new girlfriend at the time uh, to visit the brothers out in LA. And it's important that, you know, she's my new girlfriend. She's now my fiance, but at the time, brand new relationship. So we visit the brothers. Uh, we go to a winery back when we could do things with about eight people. Brett at the winery sort of has this great idea. Hey, have you ever had dim sum? Uh, no, we haven't. So Brett's like, I know the best place to go. I'm like, all right, man, l- let's do it. And if you're listening to us and, and you know us, there are four things you know about Brett. He's brilliant. Uh, he, he's really diligent. Uh, he could be sometimes a little bit demanding and he's a little scary. So Brett could have recommended anything <laughs> and we would have just said yes. So we end up going to the restaurant and it's like 7.30, 8 p.m. now. 
get there. <laughs> and Brett walks up to the hostess and he's like, hey, you know, table for eight. Uh, and the hostess looks at Brett and she's like, that's going to be like three and a half hours. And Brett goes, okay, without consulting anybody in the group. And so we're all sitting there just kind of staring at each other like, I, I guess we're going to wait because we're all too scared to stand up to Brett and tell him that we don't want to wait three hours to eat dim sum. Never uh, get so, never get in the middle I, of Brett Micellis and his food. Let me give you an example of the child. Dared, the, child I, I, the childhood was, I want Chinese food. I want Chinese food I, now. So I see the, I see the, I see the wedding like speeches are now making <laughs> their way to the Midas Touch podcast. So, this is a long story, long story short. Hear. The photo you see of me sitting down. Didn't is, ask for bagels. There's Chinese food leftovers. No lemon chicken. No lemon chicken. They gave me lemon chicken. See, for all you saying, we just pick on Jordy all the time. We all get our, our day on this show. So the photo is us sitting is me sitting there for three and a half hours. Uh, it's now 11 p.m. The hostess calls us up and she's like, "Your table's ready, but you only have 20 minutes to eat and order." And what? That's my, not true. Yes, it is. And, 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 my, and my girlfriend, now my fiance, but one month into a relationship, looks at me, hands me her purse and says, I'll be right back and walks outside so defeated and deflated. And I was watching her walk outside yeah. and I just kept thinking to myself, man, it's going to be such an awkward flight home if I get broken up with because of dim sum. And it was at that very moment, <laughs> I think Brett or Ben snapped the photo of me holding her purse. And that is Persgate. You didn't explain. But why did you post it? Yeah. Why? What yeah. made you yesterday or two days ago, whenever you posted it? Why did you preemptively put? Did you think we were going to just post this? You think we were about to leak yeah. the photos? Yeah, you guys you are did a little Don, a little Don <laughs> Junior, where you just release your incriminating that's, photos. That's exactly what it. I'm doing. Yeah, you guys are awful people. I can't trust you for a second. So <laughs> as I, as I said, I was like, I had this great blackmail photo of Jordy, and he just tweeted it out. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a great story, Jordy. Really loved that one. Let's hey, talk thanks, about. <laughs> let's talk about some actually really freaking awful people. Yeah, let's get and serious. This is actually the GOP. If you want to even call them a political party anymore, they're more just a group of terrorists and aiders and abettors of domestic terrorists directing them to attack our United States Capitol building. But the more and more we learn about this attack on this date that will live in infamy January 6th of 2021, the more it becomes clear that the GOP and this whole right wing, radical right wing terrorist eco chamber we're actually planning and coordinating obviously in last week's podcast we showed donald trump making the statement saying literally we're going to the capitol building and directing people where to go but actually from the inside we have congresswomen and congressmen who call themselves republicans who are actually terrorists directing this action and we have these tweets for example from congresswoman and it's just so freaking hurts me to call her a congresswoman lauren bobbert first saying today is 1776 listen to me today is not 1776 okay these people would not be able to survive in 1776, okay? I see these videos of them crying in the airports. Oh, my God, you put me <laughs> on a domestic best. terrorist list. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or they maced me. They put mace on my face. Oh, so what good. do you think was going to happen when you led a freaking revolution and insurrection like freaking ISIS terrorists against the United States of America? But we have these tweets from Lauren Bobbert literally saying where Nancy Pelosi is going to the speaker of the house, the third in line in succession 
to the President of the United States. We have Lauren Boebert saying exactly where she is at the time of the attack. And I made a tweet about this, Brett. I said, I would love in my legal practice for the defendants or for the criminals to basically just go out there and say, here you go, here is the evidence. And let me tell you their delusion. Because they're on this parlor ego chamber, they somehow think Donald Trump's orange, smelly, stinky spray tan is <laughs> going you. to is going to stanky Donald Trump diaper Don is going to give them somehow immunity for their criminal conduct or that they're going to get away with everything. You're not going to get away with it. <laughs> we have, for example, Lauren Bobbert's tweets, which I just mentioned. We have Charlie Kirk, who deleted he doesn't realize that when you tweet something, you were able yeah, Charlie, to Charlie, why did you delete the tweet, buddy? Why did you delete the tweet when you bragged about sending 80 plus buses full of quote unquote patriots to D.C. to fight for this president? And Charlie Kirk called it one of the most largest and consequential events in American history. This is, of course, before these quote unquote patriots, a.k.a. the terrorists that Charlie Kirk sent to the Capitol building, rioted, pillaged, stormed the building, looking to kill Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and other leaders of the government. And then we have Alex Jones, Mr. Infowars. That's what he calls himself. He goes on and he admits everything that, went ha everything that happened and that the orders to attack came from Trump. If we have a clip, let's play that. Then the White House told me three days before, we're going to have you lead the march. The Secret Service, before Trump finishes, 30 minutes before or so, will lead you to a point, take you out of the front row, and lead you to the place where they want you to start the march, and Trump will tell people, go, and I'm going to meet you at the Capitol. Okay. Okay, we're going to tell you to meet you in the Capitol building. And then Trump said that I would get to lead it. I mean, I, I guess thank you for the evidence, you terrorist. But he always speaks like like he's a parody of an action movie trailer. Like, yeah, then we're going to storm the Capitol. <laughs> like, why he, what is he doing? So you have Charlie Kirk. You have Lauren Bobbert. You have right-wing activist. Can Allie, we call him Allie Charlie Zay. Jerk? Can we call him Charlie Jerk? Charlie Can Jerk. that just face? be his new name? It just flows yeah. so much easier. I fucking hate I like that. that. We have right-wing activist Ali Alexander, who's basically saying that they worked in coordination with GOP representatives Paul Gosser and Andy Biggs to help planning the rally that led to this terrorist attack. And even during the siege, Alexander Ali, remember who just said that these representatives helped them plan, it says, I don't disavow this. I do not denounce this. All of these individuals, including Donald Trump, are co-conspirators in an act of terrorism against the United States of America. And I genuinely think, Brett and Jordy, that Donald Trump is going to have criminal consequences. And we'll get, we'll talk about impeachment. We'll talk about the 25th Amendment. Both are political processes, which I believe are incredibly necessary. But I believe Donald Trump is going to be criminally charged for inciting this terrorist act. He must be criminally charged for inciting this terrorist attack. He has to, because what, what precedent would it set if we just let this slide? We're saying to America that what happened is okay. We Nothing about time. what happened is okay. The president of the United States committed a terrorist attack against the United States of America and tried to kill the vice president. And I could say that without hyperbole and it's facts. It's what happened. It's horrifying.
It's fucking horrifying. And, and now so these here, Republicans have the nerve to now have this giant call for unity that now, oh, we should all just look past it and all move along. And you have Marco Rubio putting out a statement saying that Biden has a historic opportunity to unify America, but instead he's decided to promote the left's efforts to use this tragedy to try to crush conservatives or anyone who's not anti-Trump enough. This was not a tragedy. This was an incited riot and incited terrorist attack by the president of the United States. And we must not look past it because they're not looking for unity. They're looking for immunity. This is an abusive relationship that this country right now has with the GOP, where a husband is psychologically and physically abusing his spouse, leaving her bloodied and bruised and near death. And then when the woman tries to call the cops to try to fix what's going on and save herself. And the husband goes, oh, honey, I, I, you know I love you. Don't call the cops. You don't want to escalate this. You don't want to bring the temperature up. I love you, babe. You know, you, know, you, know, you know I didn't mean to do that. And meanwhile, all the abuser's friends come in who cheered it on come to his defense as well and say, it's not going to happen again. Just stay with them. It's not going to happen again. We cannot be in this abusive relationship with the GOP anymore. We cannot take this gaslighting, not now, not ever, it's done. We're over. And here's, what, and here's what I'll say to Marco Rubio, and I know he could hear us with those Dumbo fucking ears of his. You're <laughs> complicit. You are fucking complicit. You and all of your GOP enablers who allowed this to happen are complicit. We don't ask. Boom, mic drop, Jordy. Mic drop. That's, that's mic what I was waiting for. I was waiting for the mic drop. Listen, we, don't take, drop, we don't take advice from criminals on how to prosecute them. We do, we go, have, hey, Brett, do, do we have, Brett, do we have the clip from, uh, let, let's just hear Senator Roy Blunt and what his perspective is on this. Now, my personal view is uh, that the president touched the hot stove on Wednesday and is unlikely to touch it again. So, I don't even know what that means. I mean, let's be clear. It's Susan Collins 2.0. It's he learned he's going to learn his lesson. He saw what happened. He's going to learn his lesson, just like what Susan Collins said during impeachment. And how well did that age? The guy tried to orchestrate a coup against the United States government. The only lesson he learned is that feckless politicians like Susan Collins and the GOP will not stand up to him. These are the same people who have been saying we are the party of law and order. But when they engage in the most heinous terrorist acts, they give an analogy where they try to compare the terrorist attack to touching a hot stove. This isn't touching a hot stove. You incited terrorists to kill people. Five people died. Two police officers died. And you want to say he touched a hot fucking stove? I mean, give me a break. And Brett, you hit on it perfectly. It's this constant gaslighting. And we have a clip, I think, also from Jim Jordan, who talks about what's healthy or what's not healthy for the nation. I don't think he's the appropriate person to be diagnosing that right now. <laughs> Impeachment is for a sitting president. And the president, if the Democrats pursue this, could not have a trial until after he has left office. So uh, I think it's got real constitutional problems. But most importantly, it's not healthy for the nation. We're at an important point. Um, I'm very concerned about where we're at. I hope, I hope we can begin to come back together. I mean, Jim, Jim Jordan looked away from sexual abuse as a gym teacher his whole life. So I guess just looking away from abuse is the pattern and practice of how Jim Jordan conducts himself generally. And here looking the other way with the terrorist act and saying that there are constitutional concerns. Let's be clear. There are no constitutional concerns. You could have the impeachment 
immediately and you could have a Senate trial to convict Donald Trump with the legal repercussions that Donald Trump cannot hold office anytime ever again, which is critical because guess what? We as a country should not want terrorists to hold public office and incite terrorists to attack the United States of America, period. End of story. Let's not forget, too, Jim Jordan was Mr. Benghazi back in the day, freaking out. Let's get Hillary to come here and let's get her to sit here for hours and hours on end to discuss this tragedy that happened. But you have this event that was actually incited by the president of the United States, a terrorist attack on our own building in which five people die. And he suddenly wants to look past it. I'm sick and of these talk about, to get out of Let's talk about the deeper kind of sicker intent behind this. You'll recall that in November, Trump fired the defense secretary, Mark Esper, right? And replaced him with the acting defense secretary, Christopher Miller. What we now know is that on January 6th, the Republican governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, was trying his best to activate the National Guard. Um, he was reaching out to the head of the uh, the head of the army, the army secretary, Ryan McCarthy and others saying we need the National Guard there. He was not getting any responses. Uh, basically, what was happening was this goes back to November when acting defense secretary Christopher Miller was put in place where defense secretary Mark Esper, who was very critical on the handling of Trump on prior peaceful protesters was fired by the Trump administration. And so here we have a Republican governor saying, I'm trying to call the National Guard to help save the country, and I'm getting nothing. General uh, Gowan was repeatedly uh, being told by the uh, National Guard at the national level that we did not have authorization. Um, I was actually on the phone with uh, Leader Hoyer, who was pleading with us to send the Guard, he was yelling across the room to uh, Schumer, who, and they were back and forth saying, we, we do have the authorization. And I'm saying, I'm telling you, we do not have the authorization. Um, and so we had multiple times, the general was, we running up the flagpole, we're ready, don't have authorization, don't have authorization. And then I get a call an hour and a half later out of the blue, not from the Secretary of Defense, not through what would be normal channels, uh, you know, I got a number I don't recognize on my phone. I, you know, pick it up anyway. Larry Hogan. And it's like this Ryan McCarthy, Secretary of the Army Governor. Um, you know, can you come as soon as possible? It was like, you know, it was like, yeah, we've been waiting. We're ready. Well, I think at this point we need a an extensive investigation into what happened here. Because it's clear that this was an orchestrated attack by the president and his enablers, his co-conspirators, and that they did everything possible in order to make this as bad as possible, including withholding the National Guard. And we saw how quickly the National Guard and our armed forces could be mobilized when they quickly used them against Black Lives Matter protesters over the summer. But yet when we have armed insurrectionists killing police officers, storming the Capitol, trying to kill the Speaker of the House and the Vice President, what did we hear? We heard that the President was not upset by it in the slightest bit. His only regret was that it didn't work. 
And, and before we take a break, Brett, where I want to talk about when we come back from the break, I want to talk about the consequences of sedition, um, both legal and public and private consequences for people who are engaged in sedition. I would be remiss if I didn't mention here the totally tone deaf, irrational, horrible statement by First Lady Melania Trump that she released uh, today as we're recording this, where she talks about the insurrection (laughs) and she talks about, and, and this is what she specifically says. She goes, most recently, my heart goes out to, let me just pause. Most, most recently, I don't even know who what begins that sentence a sentence mean? With, with most recently. And I tried to connect it with the previous statement, which was with nearly every experience I have had, I found myself caring, carrying many individual stories home with me in my heart most recently. But Melania, this isn't about you. <laughs> This is about the country. And let me go on to read what her statement says. Most recently, my heart goes out to Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt, Benjamin Phillips, Kevin Greeson, Roseanne Boylan, and these are the two ones she mentions at the end, Capitol Police Officers Brian Sicknick and Howard Liebengood. She puts in the same sentence the terrorists with those who the terrorists killed. That'd be like Capitol Police officers. That'd be like after 9-11 being like uh, the first lady, Laura Bush, going, my heart goes out to Mohammed Atta and Osama bin Laden and the 3,000 who lost their lives during the attack. You'd be like, that's a fucking insane statement. Appalling. Yeah. And, And let me go on to say what her next. So that was the brief sentence. She then goes on to say, I am disappointed and disheartened with what happened last week. So you think she's about to talk about the terrorist attack <laughs> on the Capitol violence? What, what is it, Melania? Go on. Proceed. I'm disappointed and disheartened with what happened last week. I find it shameful that surrounding these tragic events, there has been salacious gossip unwarranted personal attacks and false and misleading accusations on me from people who are looking to be relevant and have an agenda. What agenda is that, Melania? The agenda that says we are against terrorism? This is not about you. Literally, the worst first lady, the worst first family. I feel bad as heck for Baron. This family is... (laughs) This family is evil, maniacal, horrible terrorist. And Melania, guess what? This isn't about you. They always this find a about way to our, make it about this them. This is about our democracy. Let me tell you what, 70, if this is 1776, what 1776 is about establishing democracy away from tyrants, away from evil, maniacal people who think it's me, 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 away from kings and emperors so we can establish a more perfect union where all people are equal and not have people like Melania who care about salacious gossip when we are dealing with a terrorist attack. We'll take a break. and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Ben Micellis here. Brett Micellis here. Turtleneck Jordy. Hashtag Turtleneck Jordy. Looking good, man. This is a good look. 
Twitter's Twitter's not going to be kind to you guys. This is a good look. No, I think I think Twitter's going to love the look. I think it's a good look. We're just messing around. We've never seen you in a turtleneck before. I don't know if you're hiding something behind that. Uh, is there a hickey? I don't know what's going on. Um, but you could tell us. You could, you, could, you, could, you could tell us later off the air. We don't need to tell everybody all that stuff. I think, Jordy, what we have to avoid mm-hmm. is I don't want us to develop this pen and teller routine, though, where it's basically just me, me and Brett, you know, ragging on you. So I certainly hope during our next interview and when we have Juliet Kayem come on that you're going to ask some thoughtful and inspiring questions. So just so everybody knows, Juliet Kayyem is a national security expert. She teaches, she's a professor at the Harvard Kennedy school where she, she focuses on Homeland security. She was in the Obama administration working in Homeland security, one of the foremost experts. So Jordy, I hope you're locked and loaded for questions with Juliet Kayyem when she comes on the show, but let's before that, let's talk, Ben. (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's talk about some of the consequences. We got to get serious, guys. It's a serious show. We got to talk about some of the consequences of sedition. And first, you know, just going off how we finished uh, our last segment of the show, I do want to congratulate Melania Trump on one thing. For these past four years, she's been engaged in the Be Best campaign to remove bullying <laughs> from the internet. And on Friday... Her husband, President Donald Trump, the biggest bully of them all, was kicked off of Twitter, was kicked off of Facebook, was removed from Shopify. I could go down the list. You name the service. His Snapchat. Stri- <laughs> Snapchat. What pictures Little. was this guy sending on Snapchat? Would Eric steal his? Would Eric steal his phone? I don't know. We're gonna have to ask Stormy about those little mushroom dick pics. Oh, of but Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Spotify, Snapchat, Shopify, Reddit, Twitch, TikTok, Pinterest. Interest and Stripe payment processing. This guy picks up his iPhone and it's just a it's just a fucking brick. <laughs> yeah, there was someone on Twitter who made that joke, which was so great. Someone the person on Twitter said so. Basically, he's just carrying around with him a brick now. And let's just put this in perspective: the president of the United States of America can't handle himself on social media appropriately. So he must be banned. And meanwhile, as we talked about in our prior segment, there are still people like, well, he touched a hot stove and let him let, let him, him control the out. nukes. What's the biggest problem that could have? Yeah, he can't send a tweet. He's far too dangerous to send a tweet, but he should have the nuclear codes for these next nine days. That makes a lot of sense. And there are private consequences. And you know, one of the things that I think is important, which I hope we can talk to Juliet Kayyem about is, isolating terrorists from their terrorist groups that follow them. So there's important to have private repercussions for your conduct. And let's talk about some of them. So Rudy Giuliani, the New York State Bar, has launched an investigation on whether to remove him. Recall Kamala Harris actually called for this investigation over a year ago when it became clear that Rudy was actually involved in, in blackmailing the Ukrainian prime minister. Again, we have a vice president who's prescient and who actually called for something, but the New York State Bar didn't take action then, but at least they're taking action now it, to remove- It took them Rudy. a coup. It took them a, a full-on coup attempt, but they, they came around. Forbes magazine is saying, if you hire anybody in the Trump administration, we will just assume that your company is one that's filled with lies, which I think is important and significant step and all very true. Cumulus Media, which employs most of the popular right-leaning talk radio hosts, including Mark Levin, Dan Bagino, 
Ben Shapiro told all their on-air personalities that if you continue down the path, you will face termination. And I hope they will be held accountable for that. Certainly Midas Touch will hold them accountable for it. AT&T and other corporations are suspending all donations to Republican members of Congress who opposed the college certification and who aided and abetted in the terrorist attacks. But the one that got Trump more annoyed than anything is that the PGA will be withdrawing their support of their golf tournament at the Trump National Golf Course. He's incredibly angry about the prospect of being impeached and against potential criminal prosecution. But, but what makes Trump the most angry is that the PGA will not be holding its tournament at Trump resorts anymore. That's our president, Brett. Yeah, and that's why we've been saying for a long time now that this guy is completely unfit to be president of the United States, and he's never cared about the job. He's never cared to do the job. I don't know why he wants to even be there, and we need to get him out now. And let's also talk about Parler. Parler, the right-wing echo chamber, Nazi Twitter, Mindspace, whatever you want to call it, is by Parler is gone. Um, for now, Amazon Web Services has revoked their hosting. Apple and Google Play have removed it from the App Store. So the app is as good as dead. Um, the right-wing media at this point seems to be far more upset that they can't spew hate on forums that incited terrorism on the Capitol than they do about the violence and the terrorist attack itself. What do you guys make of this? I've never seen people who are supposed to be credible politicians, although they've lost all credibility now, care so much about their freaking Twitter followers. If I hear one more freaking conservative, I don't call them conservative, terrorist Republican complaining, I lost 10,000 Twitter followers. Who cares if you lost 10,000 Twitter followers? That's not your main concern, let me, right? Let me tell you something too. If Twitter does a sweep of fascists and terrorists and white nationalists from its platform, and you lose tens of thousands of followers from that sweep, perhaps, maybe, you should have a moment of introspection and think, who's my base? Who am I <laughs> appealing to here? <laughs> and those are the some of the public corporation private consequences, but let's talk about the criminal consequences. Now, obviously, Mike Pence, even though he was the target of being murdered by Donald Trump, appears to not be able to invoke the 25th Amendment himself, even though he was literally the target of, of being murdered. You talk about loyal, blind loyalty. I don't think I've ever really heard of a victim of an attempted murder, you know, basically saying, yeah, the murderer is not guilty. Let's let the murderer basically run free. Uh, but today in the House, Nancy Pelosi is has introduced articles, articles of impeachment will be introduced. Um, she's formally charged through the House proceedings, um, Donald Trump for his conduct in inciting an insurrection. And I believe we will be having hearings related to impeachment soon. Um, Representative Cory Bush, a Democrat, introduced H Resolution 25 or House Resolution 25 that under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment would investigate and expel GOP members, like those who we talked about earlier in the show, who attempted to overturn the election and 
incited the white ter- supremacist terrorist attack on the United States. And I think that actually has some real legs rooted in the 14th Amendment. Well, it's but pretty we clear de- cut, Ben, the 14th Amendment. I mean, it says it right there that no person who's a senator, or representative in Congress, an elector of the president or vice president, who anyone who has taken an oath to the USA, none of them can support an insurrection or rebellion against the government. It's pretty clear cut, it's night and day. And while all these conservatives are crying and saying, oh, this is a first amendment issue, it's a first amendment issue. No, it's not. The first (laughs) amendment is to protect your speech from the government. It's not to protect the government speech from us. It's really a 14th amendment issue. We need to use this and we need to expel as many members as Congress who incited these acts against our country. They're insurrectionists. And look, we have some resignations as we're recording this. It looks like the acting Homeland Security Director, Chad Wolf, is stepping down. That just came across the wire. Betsy DeVos, who I don't even know what she did in the government as the head of education, um, I think literally corrupting and destroying our education system. Anyway, she said this has gone too far, even though who knows what her brother's involvement actually was, you know, in supporting a lot of uh, a, a lot of those acts. You do have some Republican senators that are calling for Trump to resign. We have Republican governors to resign. But the fact that not every single one of them is calling for his resignation is a real testament to their cowardice. You have John F. Kennedy, who talked about profiles and courage. We now have profiles in the utmost cowardice, profiles in terrorism. And we at Midas Touch, I could say this with a great degree of certainty, will be holding the seditious caucus accountable. We're calling on you listening to this to help us in our efforts to hold all of these people accountable. The impeachment process will now take its course. I believe Trump will be impeached a second time. The conviction hearings in the Senate will take place. They will have to take place right around the time Biden is inaugurated or shortly thereafter. But each of those senators and a Democrat-controlled Senate need to be put on the spot. We need to know where you stand. Do you support sedition against the United States? That's why they're scared shitless right now, Brett. They don't want to have to vote on it and face constituents that they supported that they supported terrorism. But I want to I want to now though speak with speaking of supporting terrorism Um, and the consequences of supporting terrorism. I want to talk to Juliet Kayyem, professor at the Harvard School of Government with a focus on homeland security, also a CNN national security analyst, and President Obama's Assistant Secretary of Intergovernmental Affairs at Department of Homeland Security, and a contributor to The Atlantic with an article that is coming out today. Everybody go and read it about stopping terrorism. You must start at the top. Julia Kayyem, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you. So that's exactly where I want to start yeah. is where is this article, to stop terrorism, start at the top, and you use the words terrorism, yeah. um, particularly here. I mean, is it your view that the act that took place is an act of terrorism being led by Donald Trump leading a a terrorist insurrection? I've been waiting four years for people to listen to me. Yeah, this has been, I came out of the counterterrorism world um, and uh, I mean, very different thread in the age of Al Qaeda, but uh, you know, there's a whole literature about 
both how terrorist groups are formed and then of course how do you how do you um, decimate them and the the um, for years the president has been utilizing a technique known as that I call stochastic terrorism. And basically what it is, is he incites people, stochastic means random. Um, he's, he incites people so that the likelihood of violence is greater, but he doesn't say it in a way that directs anyone, right? So you don't know who's gonna do it, the place or time. So, so for years, think about the tweet, liberate Michigan. So normal people like us read that and we're like, what does he mean? That's so weird. Like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a masking thing, right? His people hear it as liberate and they plan an attack on the governor. I would say we've passed that stage now uh, that we're beyond stochastic because in the buildup to uh, January 6th, the attack on the Capitol, um, it was clear that the president was, and many, I'm not the only one, a lot of us were looking at both his tweets and what was online, that there was going to be a targeted event. I don't I don't want to I don't want to say, you know, I know exactly what he knew, event at the Capitol. He had wanted everyone to congregate. That changed or became directed the morning the at, during his speech. And I think that speech uh, is why the president is probably in criminal trouble. Because if you actually listen to the speech, it is, you know, go up to the Capitol, demand that I won. I mean, it's it's everything but, you know, it's kill as Nancy. direct as yeah, I, I think you yeah. could possibly get. And by the way, it's not just the president of the United States. It was Don Jr. It was Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. It was Mo Brooks. It was Ted yeah. Cruz a couple days earlier or one day earlier. Um, these people were inciting violence. Yeah. And yeah, it's gone beyond the point of stochastic terrorism into terrorism. a direct inciting of yeah. the action. Yeah. And, um, and what do you make of what do you make of these people all on the right who are responsible for stoking yeah. this terrorism? Now they say, look, what we really need here is unity. Let him serve out his term with no, no. consequences. It's what do you over. think when you hear that? It's over. So and I think I think I mean, first of all, it's important to call it terrorism because then it gets your mind frame in in the counterterrorism. Like, how do we beat this? Because it's not just violence. What the president does, whether it's the Michigan governor or CNN anchors or whoever, is he he targets people for political gain. That's what this was about. It's for him to remain in power. That's a specific kind of violence. And once you can get your head. You know, like as I was like, we're far from our fourth grade civics classes where the president was not the leader of a terrorist organization. <laughs> then I think all everything being done now plus is necessary because the only way that you stop a terror organization, I mean, there's lots of, I would put it, there, there's lots, uh, it's not um, complete, but it's a precondition. And it's something called, lead, I mean, okay, this is figurative. I don't want to get into trouble. Leadership decapitation. It is you've got to get the guys at the top and sometimes gals, but the guys at the top, because if they are viewed to have any oxygen, any way to recruit, any way to reform, uh, the, the threat doesn't go away. So I know, I know we have a longer term issue. This country is divided, but I think it's worth your listeners in particular. They're like, actually, that rally was relatively small. I mean, if you thought that that was Donald Trump's last stance rally, it was only a couple thousand people. So that gives me half glass full hope, right? He's not able to galvanize his people to massive, you know, 200,000. 200,000 people would have scared me, right? Because that takes a lot. 
So now we have to think about all the ways that we would get a, we would get a terrorist. We we deplatform them, deplatform them. This is what we did with ISIS. You you um, isolate the leadership. You make the leadership abandoned. You shame them. You prosecute. You impeach. You you do everything. And the peace and harmony contingent, like you know. You know, I just did a gesture, but like, I mean, come on. You, the only way we get to peace is through at this stage. And that is total isolation of Donald Trump because they would have you believe that it's better if there's a, if, if his, if Trump supporters think that he's okay. It's actually better if Trump supporters know that he's permanently damaged. Uh, that's the way terror groups work. They terror recruits want a winner. And did, did so, you believe it was going to get this bad four years ago? I know you started off saying, you, you know, you've been saying this for four years when yeah. when Donald Trump was running for office on that day. I remember that day so vividly as yeah. I was driving back from Carlsbad, California, and I heard Virginia was turning. And then that next day was a I really know. dark day in my, in my life. Did you predict, though, then or did you feel like it was going to get to the point where the president was going to lead a terrorist attack against the United States of America? No, I don't think I mean, I think uh, no, I, I thought I think I uh, always believed he led a terrorist organization, but it was almost always um, you know, related to his political enemies. I d it, but, but since the election, I would say yes. Since the election, you know, I know that there was like debates about how seriously should we take him and they're such idiots and Giuliani and, you know, they get the wrong four seasons and all that stuff. Okay, so they're, they're not good at what they do. <laughs> but if you actually sat down, down Donald Trump and gave him a truth pill and said, what is the truth here? Is this all BS for you to raise money or is it real? Like, do you, would you really, really overturn the election? He's in the latter. He's, I mean, there's no question that in my mind now. And, um, and I think he, like some terrorist organizations, overplayed it. Um, uh, uh, but there's lots of questions about collusion by some other Congress people and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I, I, there's there's three types of people now. There's there's him and his family and the validate the, the elite. They need in any way we can, and you guys need to spend a lot of money on getting these people out of office, on shaming them, on censuring them. And and I like what's happening to to some of these senators. There's the second group, which is those who are violent, who absolutely need to be prosecuted. And the benefit, I'll tell you this: the benefit of all these prosecutions right now, before some of these future dates that we're worried about is these guys are realizing Donald Trump can't protect them, right? So they're trying to get on airplanes and now they're on terrorist no-fly list. I love this. I love That's that. It's a beautiful the, sight. Those videos, just inject those into my veins. I know, exactly. I want to watch everyone. Did you see that video where he was, where, the, where they were Fine. in the, they were there and he goes, they're saying I'm a domestic terrorist now. They called me a fucking terrorist and they want to fucking ruin my life. Oh, it's like, know. it's just a pattern. It's, whiny isis yeah it's whiny isis <laughs> and it's it's like the woman the day of who was saying it's a revolution they maced me it's a revolution yeah. why would it's like yeah that's what happens when you try right. to <laughs> incite right. an insurrection and, exactly and they are they need to come to the realization that that he can't he that he can't protect them so i am 
I, and I, you don't know me from before. I, I tend to be, I'm sort of, you know, a moderate Democrat on security issues. Like, like the fact that I am like, you know, like go, go resistance, <laughs> everything and everything and anything. So 25th Amendment, yes. Impeachment, yes. You know, all the, all the, all the, um, all the CEO, all the, all the corporate stuff, the not, not uh, spending money, all of that. Um, uh, uh, absolutely. Because the most important thing is that Trump doesn't have a second act. That's what's going to end this. And then we'll, and then we will figure out how as a country we move forward. But, but you have, but we're in the tactical phase, the tactical, which is we have a real threat. Uh, And, um, and then the more strategic one, like how do we get unity and stuff? It's not happening with him and still in the white house. And Julia, one of the interesting takes that you had too, and we spoke to a cult deprogramming expert before, Diane Benskitter, who did talk about giving a soft landing for nonviolent people who are attracted a la the ISIS wives. And I know that you had an example where with ISIS, you could take back and give a soft landing for ISIS wives and people who are less culpable. And do you feel that is actually achievable here? I do. I think if you if you look at this through the lens of counterterrorism, right, if your first group is Trump and Cruz, your second group are the violent people who need to go to jail. And then you're going to have some group and people, you know, we, we need to, who, you know, fell into a cult. And we know it's a cult. So we got to understand that we have to give them a pathway to feeling shame, but we also need to not, um, you know, not do a you know victory lap. Then, in other words, we need to view their testimonials as we did of former ISIS members or ISIS brides. Their testimonials are actually really helpful to stopping future recruits. They say, you know, QAnon is a is a bunch of BS. ISIS the ISIS brides were promised Cadillacs and fancy houses that the videos from ISIS were that they get there and they're, you know, essentially raped and sold off for, for, you know, for, for years on end. So they come back and they say, actually, that's not true. And it's, it is, it is like addiction. You know, you, you know, the, the sort of testimonials of addicts saying, you know, I started with this and it went to that and I thought I could stop it and I didn't, you know, it is important. So Twitter is not very forgiving now. So I, I, I knew I was going to get uh, some hits for that, but I think people get it if you look at it in the context of counterterrorism. And Juliet, I think one of the reasons people really need to read your Atlantic articles, especially the upcoming one, is that they're very prescient articles. I refer people back to your March 8th article oh, yeah. last year, which says the U.S. isn't ready for what's about to happen with COVID. And that was probably a controversial take yeah. there. Um, I still think that we are not ready today um, with COVID where we are now. And I think the recent numbers was only about 300,000 vaccines have actually been distributed. Donald Trump promised 100 million or so would be distributed. So then, yeah, we're we're a little bit better than that. We were at about 750,000 a day on Friday, dropped off this weekend. You can tell I monitor this, but this is a really hard thing. And it's good that by, this is another reason why, a million reasons why it's good to have President Biden, but um, this is just a, this is not a public health issue. It's a logistics issue. We we need to get supply and demand in place. But um, you know, look, I, this is what I do is uh, what I did in government. What I do now outside of government, which is like you know that I try to think past the drama of the day. And so um, 
for me, because I had worked H1N1, those, that was the early days of the Obama administration, you kind of knew that China wasn't going to be able to isolate it. So by March, early March, and I, uh, I, I wrote that, I was, um, I was getting very panicked on Twitter. I was saying, you know, people, this is, not, this is a big deal. And the Atlantic actually called me and they said, would you write a column? And I said, will you, will you write columns to help us through this? And I said, Absolutely. And they said, what's your first title? And I said, America, you have no idea what's about to happen. So because because obviously we knew that once it was in Washington and stuff. So hopefully I can be helpful on this, which is I mean, we just met. I'm a pretty optimistic person. I'm, you know, not a gloom and doom person. This is horrible. It is a tactical moment that we need to win. And I do believe we will win. I, I believe the benefit of the articles of impeachment is the best part of it is he cannot seek office again, right? And then we'll figure out what happens. And then the healing that needs to happen um, is, you know, one that will take a long time, but I, not to like kiss his, you know, kiss the president-elect by or anything, it's not that, it's just, if there's anyone who can do it, I actually think it's him. I think he, you know, I think, I think he's not a divisive character and uh, you may love him as a Democrat, hate him as a, you know, he's not progressive enough. He is a progressive, whatever. I just think there's very few people in American society now who don't have a lot of haters. I and agree. I think, yeah. I, and I think when you look back at the candidates, I think now in hindsight, it's easy to say that Joe Biden is the clear and only choice for this job because you need someone who has the experience to go into the White House. Right. And I made this joke before. You need someone who even knows how to walk in the White House and who knows how to find the bathroom. After or it's fumigated, though, we need yeah, to fumigate that bathroom. Yeah. We need to fumigate that bathroom <laughs> is, the first, is, is the first thing. And I think, the, I think we, the thing that we found is how damaging inept leadership at the federal federal level is and not only inept but malicious leadership yeah. that is purposefully trying to harm the American public it seems and it, it seems back when uh, Trump still had a Twitter account uh, about a week yeah. ago he tweeted the same failed strategies that he was tweeting about getting COVID under control in the first place he said the federal government is distributing the vaccine to the states now it's up to the states it's not our job. It's it up to the, the states. And this is his MO every single time. And, and then you hear the states. You remember Brett Governor DeSantis? He was like, it's not the state's job. Let's just let the hospitals basically yeah, exactly. manage all yeah, state no. level. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's not our job. It's just a total abdication of leadership. Yeah. And he, this is one of the best comments was, have you ever seen someone fight so hard for a job they didn't want? Right. I mean, it's oh like, it's gosh. like, I mean, you're like, but I will say, you know, um, was it Adam Gottman, the line of the Trump, you know, the cruelty is the point rather than, you know, I think right. it was Adam Gottman. Um, if there's a, so if that's the line that describes it. I've now have my picture that describes the fourth and it's not a Trump picture. It's actually Senator Howley um, uh, with his fist up, yep. pretty boy, or he thinks so at least in his suit and tie, you know, galvanizing the masses to come attack his own democratic institution. Um, and uh, that sense of, yeah, they're going to burn the place down. Uh, that's what they want. I, I, but they're going to do, we're, we're not going to call it terrorism because they're in suits and ties. It does, right. 
they're terrorists. I mean, are they, you know, they incite terrorism. And Josh so. Hawley thought he was Hawley. the man. He thought he thought he was a rock star lifting his hand up in the air yeah. saying, yeah, we're doing it. This is the day. And then a terrorist attack happens and the guy wants to pretend like, oh, now we need to unify. I don't know why everyone's attacking me. He has the audacity to complain that he lost his book deal and act like it's a First Amendment issue. Yeah, Julia, when- what's up with that? Why do they care so much about their Twitter followers? Oh, because they- because they're so I mean, ultimately, they, they want acceptance. That's what this is. And I don't think anyone wouldn't give it to them. But the, you know, this whole, this idea, but they're so ambitious, that they see the path to the presidency, or they saw the path to the presidency through Trump, you know what, you know, and, and the, I don't, I have no interest in solving the Republican Party for itself, right. But right. Um, uh, but I just, I need, we need him, Trump to, you know, be so isolated, uh, that the path forward is not with him. Right. And, and this is where, like I said, I'm happy person. Like this is where, however horrible last week was, can you imagine him getting to leave softly? Right, he gets to do his craziness, whatever. Then he moves down to Mar-a-Lago. He's doing the tweets. He's, you know, everyone's saying he's great. I'm gonna run and no, he's. I mean, so in some weird way, this was kind of necessary because he doesn't get the soft. They and the family, they don't get the soft exit. And then you'll see the prosecutions and stuff. Oh, no, so, whatever his quote-unquote legacy was, and in my opinion, his legacy was already yeah. that he was the worst president of all time who did horrific things to the country. All that is now out the window. Like everything yeah. the guy will ever be remembered for is starting a terrorist attack, orchestrating a terrorist attack against America. And rightfully so. And everybody, everybody involved should be tainted with that. Yeah, everybody. No, that's that's about right. It. No, we, I teach at the Kennedy School, um, um, Elise, what's her name? I think Elise Stephanic? went there. Yeah, Stephanie. And then the guy from Texas, um, the jerk, oh, sorry, the, um, the guy there's a lot who, of, there's a lot of them. who fought in the military. <laughs> and the who, guy who did the video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Crenshaw, the mod, I think, and Crenshaw. I think, yeah, Crenshaw, and he's a Kennedy school. Jordy with the Crenshaw reference. Crenshaw. I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. Jordy, you were looking I'm, handsome I'm, down there. I didn't I'm, hear from you, but I, I like that Crenshaw my, my puppy, Mello, is just going crazy. Oh. <laughs> so Can I'm we so see sorry. her? Can we uh, yeah, pull the she puppy. looks needy. I was like, Jordy's looking awfully moment. handsome down there, but not oh, going to ask any questions. Oh my <laughs> God. We have so one of the foremost know. experts in Homeland Security and Jordy is showing off his dog on an audio podcast that people cannot even watch. We'll definitely clip this moment. So I'm gonna I go want back a to second dog. No, 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 people. I want a second dog because I'm, because, well, because I think my dog's bored, but we're here and like, I want a second dog. Because I live in New England. So like, if you're doing the 11 p.m. walk, you know, in 20 degrees, you're doing it anyway. And yeah. during the day. So, but my husband said to me the other day, it's either nope. me or Accent. the second dog. It's either me or the second dog. Which I was like, that's quite the ultimatum. <laughs> okay, so is now it? we get asked. Is what, it? What, 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 yeah, I was going to say, what did you pick? I see sure he wanted to even ask you that question. That's it's a dangerous Julia, question. Julia, you, you didn't realize that this show is going to take a turn. So what was what was the decision, no, Julia? No, I do not go there. <laughs> he's well, still, anyway, he's I, still here. He being the, <laughs> he being the husband, but... I want to thank you, Juliet, for joining. Oh, you guys are great. Thank you. Good luck with all everything. Go get them. Every person who voted against, (laughs) I don't want them to have another.
Everybody read Juliet Kayyem's piece in The Atlantic that's out today to stop terrorism. Start at the top. Jordy, you did a stellar interview. We, we thought you did <laughs> Jordy, thanks, thanks for asking the hard-hitting questions. I just yeah, the hard-hitting Jordy ones. was the, uh, like a sound guy or something. <laughs> sound guy, Jordy. Thank you so much, Juliet. Come back. You're always invited. I will, anytime, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. That was a great interview of Juliet. Um, Jordy. Uh, no, no. You know what? I'm not. No, stop right now. I'm clearing the air about something. <laughs> we did the interview with Juliet earlier in the day, and we were going to make it seem as, as if it was a seamless, you know, podcast all the way through. But then Ben out of nowhere tried to throw me under the bus <laughs> at telling me he knew exactly what happened with Melo. Are you saying he, he set my, you up earlier in the show, Jordy? Set me up. That's not the Ben and, I know. And this is why I have to post photos of me in short shorts, knowing that one day you guys are going to do it to me. <laughs> well, and we're learning a lot about you, and so are our listeners every single day. <laughs> so, so now we have a special part of the Midas Touch podcast where we Midas Touch speaks to all of the Midas Mighty, all of the listeners out there who get to submit questions to us in advance of the podcast and would love to hear from you on the next podcast if you weren't able to ask questions here. But Brett, let's answer the questions from the Midas Mighty. Hello, Midas Touch. With respect to the 73 million people who voted for Donald Trump, do you think it is possible for us to deprogram these people to become intellectual, independent, and objective thinkers again? In other words, to become sane again. And I think that that was actually a very timely question based on the interview with Juliet. And as she mentions, there's different categories, right? There's Trump in the inner circle. There's diehard insurrectionist, terrorist Trump leaders. And then there's something analogous to the ISIS wives, as she discussed. You know, there are people who bought in to community um, rather than ideology, um, who if they're told the truth, if they're given the accurate information, not overnight, but if we give them a gentle landing, you know, we need to call them out for all of the horrible conduct that they've supported, but they need to know that there's also a community of democracy loving people. And not only is democracy, you know, free, but democracy and supporting it is cool. Our community of democracy loving are the true values of what 1776 was all about, what the Declaration of Independence was all about. And so we need to reach out to them. The, one of the issues when we spoke to uh, the cult deprogrammer, Diane Benscooter, is that a lot of these cultists in any type of cult just feel a, a degree of shame, uh, a degree of embarrassment. And so they're not willing to leave sometimes because they feel that if they just enter the general community that they're going to have these problems in, in, in re-emerging from the cult. And so I think we do need to do that. But which why the Midas Touch plan was always to engage in a multifaceted effort. So it was TV, it was mail programs, it was digital, it was canvassing, it was tour buses going across the country. Because what we wanted to do is make that Trump supporter in some cases, just think for a second and go, wait a minute, what was that about Leffler uh, buying body bags uh, on information that she got while she was a senator? 
uh, that doesn't sit right. And boom, once you're asking that question, if we can then help uh, introduce to you all this other accurate information, that's what we need to do. But that's why also we can't be complacent right now. Just because we won back the Senate and we won the presidency, we can't just be like, all right, cool, our work is done. Our work is only just beginning and we need you to keep joining us on this ride and keep supporting democracy and keep this fight for truth. Love it. And on the same uh, note, Deb from Canada has a question about the spread of disinformation and how we combat it. How can you stop the media, the poisoned media, from spreading these lies to the base and those that want to be convinced that there's conspiracies every single day. Yeah, well, I think it's one of the hardest uh, tasks of our time is to combat disinformation. And I think we're finally starting to see some of the consequences of spreading such disinformation with the deplatforming of Parler, with them being taken off Amazon Web Services. We need a full-on public pressure campaign against all of these organizations because it's not a First Amendment issue. You don't have the right to stir insurrection against the United States of America. You shouldn't have the right to pretend to be a news organization and knowingly spread false information that leads to conspiracy theories and leads to attacks on our country. Dominion is now suing Sidney Powell, Newsmax, all these other organizations for their disinformation, their lies about their product. And we need more accountability for these news organizations. And we need to nip them in the bud before it gets even worse. Because right now we have Newsmax and OAN, which are still on the rise and could be much bigger. But honestly, I believe they need to be stopped the same way Parler was just stopped. And yes, you could argue that, oh, won't these people continue to find, you know, darker places to go and more in the deep web. We need to just keep stomping them out. I mean, it's enough. I'm sick of this post-truth era where you could just get away with saying whatever bullshit you want. Enough of it. I'm done with it. I'd rather push them in the deep web and in their basements than the United States Capitol building. Let's do our next question. Hello, Midas Touch. Wonderful job that you do. Greetings from Australia. I'd like to know that if, hopefully, Trump is impeached, whether now or later, does he lose all the perks of a former president? For example, like the Secret Service protection or his own office or any future payments? Is everything absolutely wiped or does he still get all that? It's actually a great question because while we've had impeachments before, we haven't had a conviction. Um, It raises those questions about what the accoutrements that come with the presidency, does he still maintain any of that afterwards? My own view of it would be with a conviction, there would almost be kind of a a settlement in a way or a criminal resolution that would probably address those issues that would limit it as much as possible. Um, But let's not lose track here. I firmly believe that impeachment and the conviction process, which are political processes, are probably the least of Trump's worries when compared to criminal prosecution that could happen imminently. I mean, Trump being a co-conspirator in a terrorist attack against the United States Capitol, against the vice president, against the Speaker of the House, against congressmen and women and senators, that is an interesting 
thing to really think about because I think that there is a real serious chance that Donald Trump and family members, Don Jr., um, others, non-family members who are in the inner circle, Rudy Giuliani, others who incited at the January 6th pre-rally, I think those people are going to be criminally prosecuted. And so you ain't getting secret service protection and plane rides when you're behind bars. Yeah. Do they allow secret? How does secret service work in prison? We're, we might have to find out if this is a thing. Is there let me secret? ask you guys. It's called detention let me, let, officer. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think he's going to flee? I don't think he's staying in the United States. I think once everything starts to go down and he just realizes how truly fucked he is, he's going to flee to Russia. I think he has the personality of somebody who would flee. Now, whether he can carry it out or not, Donald Trump has been one big bullshitter, bankrupting everything and lying to everybody. But it makes up for this genuine internal weakness and smallness and and such a low self-esteem that he has that it's the most evil villain. You couldn't even write a character like this in a movie. Um, just how sociopathic he is. But he's the type of person, though, that would run away and try to seek asylum than ever actually confront justice. Just think about this. He's concerned about the PGA tour canceling his contract with him, as we talked about earlier in the show. Being behind bars, watching as his family members go behind bars, you know, is something that I actually don't think he cares about his family members behind bars. But <laughs> him going behind bars is, is something that I think that he's too chicken shit to confront. Remember, he even told his followers in that speech at the Capitol on January 6th, he said, I'm going to join you there. He said that. And then he just stayed in the White House or he watched it from a tent, again, delivering us even more evidence. If we have one more question, Brett, let's take one more question from our... Uh, listeners. And here's just one thing I want to add to that, though, is let's stop pretending like this guy is the Teflon Don, that nothing could happen to this guy. This guy could face consequences. Everyone around him could face consequences. And we should start normalizing the fact that Donald Trump can and should go to prison. Here's our last question. It's from Ruth. Hello. I wanted to find out what your plans are for the time after Trump leaves, please God soon. We could certainly use some great media teaching people how to discern truth from lies. Thank you for all you've done. I'm looking forward to what's next. Before we answer, we, we just have the sweetest callers. Everyone was so nice. Yeah, we didn't even yeah, get any. Me, we didn't even get any mean ones. Yeah. <laughs> zero, zero ones yelling at us. And I'm sure we're gonna encourage people to do that by me saying that I'm going to do it. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Ruth, for your, for your question. I mean, Midas Touch is here to stay. And if anything, since the election has showed us, it's that the role that Midas Touch is going to play and the role that all of you are going to play is now more important than ever because we have a divided government and a divided populace within America where half the country believes in democracy and half the country is okay with authoritarianism and fascism. And we're gonna be working every day to preserve our democracy and to fight for it. And so in the immediate term, we need to go after these seditious senators and representatives and we will hard. We're gonna immediately start focusing on 2022 
because we think one of the failings of the Democratic Party in the past is that they don't really pay attention to elections until the election comes along that year. So we're going to get a head start and start holding these folks accountable now. And we also want to be a source where we could combat disinformation in real time. We think the truth is important. Lies spread much quicker than truth. But we think that we have the ability to help shape the narrative and get in front of all these lies and call out all the bullshit before it gets legs. That's why we were successful in defeating Donald Trump. And that's why we will prevent fascism from fully taking root in this country. And while we do it, Jordy will be wearing his turtleneck the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right, Jordy? Hey, I'm telling you, turtleneck is a new look. We're going to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> look, we need to be vigilant, though, right now. January 6th was a warning for what's actually could get worse if we don't hold them accountable. This was not uh, Donald Trump touching a hot stove. He's continuing to incite. Remember when he was banned from Twitter like a drug addict, he tried to create four separate accounts. He goes on like some random social media manager's account and tries to (laughs) log on. And Twitter, like a game of like digital whack-a-mole, was just shutting down his account within yeah. a minute. He went on Team Trump. He went on the the social it, media guy. It's it, it's a great analogy. He yeah he's a I mean he's a drug addict in the sense that that he's so addicted to, to Twitter and to getting his voice out there, however harmful it might be, that he's willing to go to lengths that other people would never even think to. And look, the National Guard now has been activated around the clock to be around the Capitol building to be around congressmen and senators. Um, armed protests are now being planned across 50 states leading up to the U.S. Capitol. These terrorists are not going to go away unless we hold them accountable, as Juliet said, unless we isolate and deplatform the leadership, which I think was an important lesson to take away, but also to provide a place where people who are now seeing the idiocy and the lies who mistakenly embraced that ideology can come back and join us in reality to join us in the true spirit of 1776 can embrace the concept that truth after all is golden. And so with that, I want to thank the brothers, Brett and Jordy uh, for an incredible show. I want to thank all of the Midas mighty out there for on our first podcast across all platforms, making us a top, 40 podcasts in the United States. Make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Tell all your friends about our podcast. We will be doing multiple podcasts a week, at least twice a week. Follow us at at Midas Touch on social media for more new episodes, at least every Tuesday and Friday, unless we have to do rapid reaction podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time on the Midas Touch Podcast. Shout out Midas Mighty, shout out the morning crew.